With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. For one more beer for me. Exile means quality, so savagely. Best beer in all the land, brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can, Exile Brewing, E-X-I-L-E. For me, E-X-I-L-E, let's drink football. Enjoy your It's the HN Podcast. I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace, recording this on March the 10th, is it already? Is it the 10th? It is. Holy yeah. smokes, that's right. Yeah. How do I forget my little Mary's going to be 10 tomorrow, so my youngest is now 10, so how about them apples? Wow, um, congrats. Yeah, I made it, survived. I guess that's what the congrats is for, right? Um, or congrats to her for surviving. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Congrats to you, Iowa fans, still listening to this for surviving the uh, last week and a half of the men's basketball season. Iowa finishes the year 0-4, finishes the regular season 0-4. There's still likely at least two games left. Three of those four losses coming to teams with losing records in the Big Ten. And, man, Iowa has not played good basketball for over a month. Iowa leading that game against Nebraska late. Uh, Nebraska just outscoring Iowa late in that game, outscoring them by 16 in the last about 56, 57 seconds to lose 93-91 ultimately in overtime. That, Steve, was that was a rough one to watch. Well, what do we want to do here? Um, do we want to break down the game? Um, big, then go to big picture, stick only with big picture. I mean, when you look at the game, um, you know, you look at, you can't have the last two games of the year when you're closing in on an NCAA tournament bid and you can't have Tyler Cook have nine points in two games. I don't know why Connor McCaffrey played so many minutes in those key possessions, I don't know why Fran McCaffrey, after Nebraska hit the shot, James Palmer hit the shot to tie it. You know, I, I guess I understand why you're playing Mishi Daly and McCaffrey, trying to get more as many ball handlers out there, I guess, as possible. Okay. But then I don't know why they didn't call a timeout on the inbounds play and make sure both Cook and Garza are in. Because how many times have we seen, um, you know, a, a long jump shot? And at the end of the game, it's the weak side offensive putback. That's the difference, right? I, I, I didn't understand a lot of that. Um, and, but in the end, you know, you have a 16-point lead against a team whose season has been over for a month. 
and you desperately need a win, you foul out their, their one quality big guy, um, you have to win that game. I mean, I just don't know what else to say. You, I mean, and, and, some, and, and the thing was, I don't, it wasn't even, yeah, Iowa wilted, but guys, you know, Bear had a big, you know, shot, didn't complete the three-point play, but that was a huge play. You know, Luca Garza probably played his best game in, in you know, since January. Um, I, you know, that Weiss Camp hit, hit a, hit a nails three. They made most of their free throws down the stretch. In the end, they just could not get any stops. Some of those threes Nebraska made were insane. Uh, and I guess that's the universe, you know, you regress to the mean from what we've seen Jordan Bohannon do throughout the course of this season. And in many respects, the game was a microcosm of Iowa's season. Pretty good start, great middle, and an absolutely brutal ending. And when you look at, if you take away the, the you know, Jordan Bohannon going Reggie Miller uh, in the 95 Eastern Conference Finals against the Knicks or whenever it was against Northwestern, you throw away the, you know, the, the, the King Kong, pardon the pun, of all, of all, you know, horse shots that Wieskamp hit against Rutgers. I mean, you, you, you take those two things away, they're 19 and 12. They're definitely not in the NCAA tournament. And you're looking at a season where the, the biggest story was an unnecessary, um, you know, I guess pissing match with your radio play-by-play guy that you let spill out publicly, not once, but twice, this would be a fan base in an open revolt. I mean, the AD, the coach, open freaking revolt, if not for those two shots. So if you're an Iowa fan, I, I guess you have to decide in the end. I, you know, I know you tweeted this out earlier today. You know, at the beginning of the year, you would have taken 21 wins and 10 and 10 in the league at the start of the year. And I guess you as a fan base, you guys decide those things. I, I think, I think it's, it's debatable one way or the other. And, you know, my um, stance has been for many years now, if I'm not a paying fan of a team, unless the coach is doing something unethical or immoral, it's really not my place to say when a fan base should move on or not. That, that's what the guys, the, the fans who actually pay uh, the freight to be that fan, they get to make that decision. I'm simply saying if those two shots don't, if those two things don't happen against two of the worst teams in the league. And if the other situation is the result of that, things would be whatever it, whatever it is right now, multiply it by 10,000. Cause that's what it would be. If not for those two games. Good points. I think that most every end of season commentary we've delivered on Iowa basketball, the last several years, the vast majority of the fan Fran McCaffrey era has included, if not led with, Iowa has a guard problem. They don't have enough of them, and they don't have the type of guards you need in this sport to be consistent, and that is players that can create their own shot, that can score off the dribble drive, and that hasn't changed. That doesn't mean that Jordan Bohannon isn't a very, very good player and you want to have him on your team. I'd love to have him for the rest of, for the rest of my life on every Iowa basketball team. It's just really tough. When your backup point guard, whose name happens to be Connor McCaffrey, it's really, really and this is no fault of Connor's. Um, he, he, he's maybe the least 
uh, for for guys that play at least 19 minutes a game in seasons that have averaged 19 minutes a game, Steve, I looked this up today. Since 1992 for Iowa, guards. Guards to have shot less than uh, 20% from three, who've played at least 28 games, and who have shot worse than something like I don't know what was it three three sixty five from the floor. There's only been three of them. One of them's Connor McCaffrey. One of them's Bryce Cartwright as a senior who also had like a one fifty six to twenty four assist to turnover ratio. Who could also drive and who could also guard. Now there was Pierre Pierre Pierce. Uh, Connor's offensive lack of offensive game basically takes me to this point where I'm going to say I, I'm wrong about something I said earlier this year. I did never I never felt Connor McCaffrey was a Big Ten caliber guard, point guard. And then he had a really good run in New York at Madison Square Garden against UConn and against Oregon. And I said, you know what? I think I'm wrong. Kid showed me something. And then we got to Big Ten play. And that's really where... You kind of separate the wheat from the chaff, and you're always going to because the Big Ten now plays 20 games. Um, in, in Big Ten games, Connor, 18.2 minutes per game on the average. He shot 167 from three. He shot 298 total from the floor. That's your backup point guard who nobody on the opposing team has to even guard. It was embarrassing how often they – hung off of him, and when they do that, it just mucks up your offense. Now, this is going to sound like I'm piling on Connor. Connor is just an object lesson here. It's nothing about Connor the person. No problem with him. The kid's a great athlete. I mean, you can't play college basketball and college baseball and, and have a potential professional baseball career and not be a great athlete. He's just not a Big Ten point guard. He's not a backup Big Ten point guard. And that's what Iowa's problem is. Not that Connor's there. That dad hasn't recruited guards at the level that he did when he was the head coach at Siena or anywhere else he's been. And we're going to continue to have these type of podcasts, this type of analysis in perpetuity until Iowa can actually fix that. Now, Joe Toussaint comes in next year. Sight unseen, I'd give that kid minutes, but it's going to be a big time problem too. Um, more more than just uh, the upperclassman factor, if you will, if you catch my drift. I don't know, Steve. <laughs> I mean, they, they're just not going to go anywhere much beyond the first week of the NCAA tournament if they make it there, having the level of guard play across the board that they've had in the McCaffrey era. Well, you know, I, I was a believer, and I think we talked about this last week on the Bigger Ten podcast when I put up my – once a year, uh, once a year bracketology. And I said a week ago that I, I didn't, maybe if Iowa lost these last two games and then lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, it wouldn't get in. And then I still wasn't so sure because of how soft the bubble is. John, I, I've never seen a last week like what's happened in this last week with, with Indiana, the way it's coming on. Um, Xavier, coming out of nowhere uh xavier's beaten all the other three top teams in the big east in the last two in the last week uh seton hall wasn't even on my radar 
you know, they're off to a great start, upset Kentucky early on. Uh, they've been kind of nowhere for two months. In the last two games, they beat the top two teams in the Big East, Marquette and Villanova, back-to-back. Um, you look at uh, – there is there is a lot of movement right now. And I'm, I, I actually think it's possible that they're in trouble of not making the tournament because, they're, they're, because there's so much softness now in the last that, – that, you know, every year we talk about every selection committee values things differently, and the one constant is your non-conference schedule. Okay, who'd you play when you didn't have to play anybody? And then, you know, some some years, you know, different committees value how you're playing at the end or efficiency metrics. And we have the new net rankings this year. And, you know, we'll see how those things factor in. When you looked at the Sweet 16 seeds they put out a month ago, 14 of those 16 teams were in the top 16 of the net. So. You know, the only team that was and one of those two teams, Kansas, was not in the top 16 of the net, but they had the most quad one wins in college basketball at the time. So, I mean, it looks like they were pretty faithful to it. You know, I I could see this being a year where because of how how soft some of this is, Clemson beating Syracuse, we saw yesterday. um, I, I could see this being a year where those guys get in that committee and they can't figure out really how to give where where the the last eight or nine teams for these last four or five spots and they give, and they just decide, you know what, let's go with the team that's playing the best right now because all these resumes look the same. So um, there's been a huge flux of teams that are on the bubble, not on the bubble. Um, You know, Indiana moved up to first four out on it, it pretty much every as a consensus bracketology before their win against Rutgers today. You know, look at Ohio State, for example. See, I don't think Ohio State not playing well is good for Iowa on two different fronts. One is they just freaking polaxed you in their own gym. Two, the way that the selection committee rules work now. If Ohio State announces at any point prior to Selection Sunday that Caleb Wesson's suspension is over and he's back, then the selection committee rules call for them to essentially disregard the games that he didn't play. So if you're an Iowa fan, you're getting that on both ends. You get you played Caleb Wesson's last game, got your asses spanked. And then after they tank the next couple of games after that, get destroyed by Northwestern and Wisconsin, then maybe they maybe they even lose to Indiana in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Ohio State says, all right, Caleb Wesson's unsuspended. Well, now they're going to go back and look at their resume and realize, you know what, man, they, they got two quad one road wins in the non-conference, not, not away wins at a tournament road wins like no one else in college basketball had that i went and looked at the time you know so i I think they're in a really precarious position right now and um i wouldn't lose on thursday i'll just say that i think they're in a precarious position well we pretty much know the big 10 bracket right now i'm sure we'll talk about that some uh, in the bigger 10 term is wisconsin is, is doing their best to try to make me change my story i've already written that had them as the <laughs> had them as the four seed and Maryland as the five and change out my brackets. It the, the fan base, Steve. You know, we did a we did a podcast several weeks ago after the Minnesota game, which I think after that game I said I thought I would go five and five the rest of the way. I think you had them six and four, and I thought they mm-hmm. I thought they'd wind up ten and ten, and you had them at eleven and nine. We talked about 
almost like the 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 the, emo, the volatility, the emotional volatility that we've seen in the Iowa fan base for basically McCaffrey getting the program nearly back to what it was at the end of the Tom Davis era. And we talked about Fran's sideline demeanor as maybe being what has his goodwill account running empty. You mentioned earlier the story that we'll remember from this season, you know, the the Gary Dolphin um, drama. And Fran McCaffrey, of course, getting ejected in the two-game suspension. I see more, more vi- you know, not violent, but violent words. You know, a lot of barbs aimed at Fran and fire Fran and all that after this one. I, I really think you hit the nail on the head. I, I think there is, in, in, a, in a significant section of the fan base, there is Fran fatigue relative to these late-season collapses coinciding with his demeanor. I, I think you nailed it. Well, you're referring to the conversation we had a month ago, and I pointed out that when you have a long-term relationship with somebody in any walk of life, a marriage, your children, a roommate, a business partner, um, you know, that if, if that relationship, you know, human nature, none of us are perfect. None of us are objective. All of us are flawed. All of us are annoying on some level, okay? And so really it comes down to um, over the course of the long haul, those idiosyncrasies, are they, are, they, are they cute or are they, um, are they grating? And that really comes down to if that long-term relationship has moments of significance that build intimacy, all right? And so, you know, you go to the football program, and, you know, I talked about this at the time, that the, the, the transfer portal was launching when you and I last had this conversation. And Kirk Ferentz had come out and said he didn't even know what it was, never even been on it. And, you know, if, if they don't have a few Big Ten champion or, or top ten finishes in a couple of Big Ten championships, and... and Kirk Ferentz is a seven or eight win coach every year without some of those magical seasons. Do you know what people are going to say in response to that? We got to have the only school coach, only coach in college football who's still coaching like it's 1990, like it's 1999, right? That's what's going to happen, right? But because you have those moments of significant achievement together, because there's an intimacy there between the coach and the fan base, there's a bond. And, and now it kind of comes off as, well, that's that old school Captain Kirk, man. That's our guy, right? Okay. So what you have here is really similar to the end of the Tom Davis era. And I was, you know, Sports Talk Radio was just starting in Des Moines at the time. And, and I wrote the very first feature that Des Moines Register ever did. The Register didn't want to acknowledge Sports Talk Radio for a while. And then finally, Marty Miller got popular enough that we had to acknowledge it was actually happening. And Mark Hansen and Randy Peterson, those guys started going on that show and they were broadcasting from Prairie Meadows. And I went out and actually did the first ever register feature story on Sports Talk Radio in Des Moines. I wrote that story. That's really how I know Terrell really well at the time. And, and um, you know, that was a big topic in those early days was Matt Shirt, the, the, the two fire, the three topics that really fired everybody up was Tim Floyd leaving for the Bulls on the Iowa State side. And, and then it was Matt Sherman 
and the controversy around him, uh, you know, at the end of the Hayden Fry era and not being a good enough quarterback. Um, and, and then it was um, Iowa basketball under Tom Davis and the plateau. And I'd let, people would call in to those early Marty and Miller shows. And, you know, all he does is just stand there and never argues with the refs. You know, we're out there getting, you know, you know, plungered by the officials, by, you know, Jim Bame and Tom Rucker and Ed Hightower chip at every night. Tom Davis doesn't do anything, right? And now the same people call. All our coach does is lose his poop every night. No composure, no poise. No wonder we melt down. And it's the, it's really the same thing in that, you know, Tom Davis had teams that were ranked number one in the nation for a few weeks. He got to an Elite Eight once, but he never won a Big Ten championship. And, you know, that Elite Eight team, in some respects, if you're an Iowa fan, is a bittersweet team because you led that game by 20 points and lost. So it's very similar in that the, 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 the personality of the coach with a long-term relationship, because the bond isn't cemented with intimacy of significant achievement, that it just feels like we're circling the drain. We're doing the same thing over and over again, and there's no hope of breaking out of this pattern. And that's where Iowa basketball is at right now, in my view. I believe that you're right, and I don't know what the fix is. And we still have some more season left this year to um, sort of mull it over and, and see how it plays out. Who knows, maybe Iowa will catch fire and make a good run in the Big Ten tournament. I'm going to play the winner of the Illinois-Northwestern game around 8.30 on Thursday night, regardless of what happens with Wisconsin and Ohio State. By the way, Wisconsin was leading that game by 22 points with 7.14 to play, and it's now going to overtime. Pretty amazing comeback by Ohio State there. Are you kidding me? I turned the game off and turned on Rory McIlroy golf. Are you kidding me? That's for real? That's for real. Just went to <laughs> overtime. Wisconsin was up 22 with 7.14 to go, 58-36. Oh and gosh. Ohio State tied at 63-63 going to overtime. I want it skated for the record. <laughs> the amount of restraint I have shown in this podcast, because Iowa really freaking screwed me in my handicapping picks today with that meltdown. Oh, okay? well, yeah. So You, you call balls you know, and strikes, right? Yeah, so I, I want to let it be known that I am showing an immense amount of restraint for not taking that personally. And I got to tell you, just to show you what this does to you, when, uh, when we can't, I'm down here, I, I figured I'm gonna, today's a good day to clean the, my, I try to get my man cave cleaned and once a week, once a month. And I'm like, you know what? Why not just do it today with Iowa on? I can monitor their, the Hawk game for the podcast while I'm doing it. When we can't hit that three, dude, I gave that thing, that's the loudest cheer there's been for uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes in my man cave since <laughs> you literally dropped to your knees when Iowa beat Penn State in that game in 08. Remember that? <laughs> oh, I remember that. Because I thought for sure when Wieskamp hit that three, because I had both the money line and the pick em in that game. So I want, I want it stated for the record, I am showing an immense amount of analytical restraint here. Uh, noted. Duly. Duly noted. All right. That's... I think right about now all we got. Let's go uh, record the Bigger 10 podcast, which you can also listen to um, by the Bigger 10 feed as we'll talk about some Big 10 brackets and uh, also going to talk maybe a little NFL combine as well. 
we'll talk to you soon over on the Bigger Ten side.